Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, December 10th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. All things college football for week 15, all things NFL for week 14 coming up here on today's show. All things college basketball, college football, and NFL over at ATS.io for you to check out. Lots of picks and predictions for you. Lots of industry news, sportsbook promotions, a lot of good stuff out there in the industry here for this week and a lot more good stuff coming as we get closer to the weekend. So I encourage you to check out all of those sections over at ATS.io and make sure you download the ATS app as well, which you can find in the Google Play Store, in the Apple Store, or you can find direct links to download those over at ATS.io. Go to the ATS app page on your mobile device, click the button for push on the button for the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. It'll take you right to the app in those two platforms so you can download that. Start using that. It's a bet tracker, an odd screen, stats, trends, uh, standings database, all kinds of great stuff in that app. And also the opportunity to buy some premium model selections from an analytics feed as well. So check that out in the ATS app, in the Google Play Store, and also in the Apple Store. A lot of good content this week on ATS Radio so far. If you missed anything, you can find it over at the website or just go ahead and subscribe to the shows here on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. With that, we bring out today's guest. That is professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, how's it going today, man? Going well. Good to hear your voice on this fine Thursday. Good to chat with you as well, buddy. And, uh, you know, normally at this time of the year, we're talking Army, Navy, and we're talking bowl preparation. And this year, we're not. We're talking about a continuation of the regular season and then more regular season plus conference championships and a bowl game next weekend. Uh, It's definitely a lot different than usual. (laughs) Yeah, usually at this point in the season, we're down to maybe 40 games left, counting bowls and Army, Navy. And, you know, now we got 40 plus games this week alone. So, you know, not having games, so many games in September. Now, you know, we're, we're trying to finish out the season here and uh, it's different. I can tell you that, but uh, more games equals more opportunities to bet, more opportunity to find value, more opportunity, hopefully to make some money. Well, and of course, I mean, there are a lot of things to be uncertain about here this week. You know, COVID's still kind of all over the place and, and that's just the uncertainty we've been dealing with over the course of the season. But Another rash of opt-outs here this week. And I think, you know, as we look at regular season finales for teams that really aren't going anywhere, don't have any bowl tie-ins, anything like that, it's sort of a guessing game this week to decide, you know, which teams will show up and which teams won't. Absolutely. And I think you used the right word, guessing game, because, I mean, you can have, you know, an educated guess, and hypothesis uh, on who do you think is going to be motivated or not. But uh, I'm, one thing is for certain, we're going to see some teams wave the white flag. I think we've seen a few already this season, I think. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more starting on Saturday. But with that being said, your guess is as good as mine to, 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 to you know pick out those teams. I mean, you have context clues, key players opting out and whatnot and you you can do you know teams with interim coaches already teams that that are looking to build upon maybe some success that they've had already this year there's context clues but even then I mean uh, Texas last week had two senior captains opt out and what do they do they go put 69 points on the board against Kansas State and play arguably one of their best games of the season so again your guess is as good as mine uh, on a lot of these 
Yeah, and that was a Texas team. I think they had, what, 10 yards per play last week against a Kansas State team that, you know, has been dropping in a lot of people's power ratings. They've been dropping like a rock in mine. They were kind of a little bit of a misleading team because they had had so much special team success. Now everything kind of falling apart for Kansas State. A Kansas State team that, as we know, generally a very good bet as an underdog. They were great under Snyder. They've been good under Kleiman. But the last few weeks, they've just gotten blown out and taken to the woodshed in games where they've been a big underdog. So, you know, maybe this is the type of week where instead of having a lot of pre-flop positions, unless you were able to grab numbers early in the week, maybe this is just a, a you know phenomenal opportunity for live betting, especially because as we're going to talk about here in a second, the weather's getting worse around the country. It's just not yeah. nearly as fun to be out and about or outside or anything like that. So if you're just going to be chilling on the couch in front of the laptop or the desktop or with your smartphone in your hand, uh, this may be, you know, the optimal live betting week. Absolutely, because, I mean, it's tough, you know, guessing who's going to be motivated, who isn't, but usually you have a clue early on in a game. So that's point number one, maybe some value in live betting. And you hit the nail on the head. A lot of weather in a lot of these games is driven up. You know, I've seen a lot of pre-flop totals get driven down significantly already. Uh, we'll see. With weather, it's, you know – I mean, you guys watch your normal uh, local weatherman. I mean, it could be 50-50 on him at best, even the the day before. So sometimes, uh, you know, playing the waiting game, seeing how bad that wind actually is uh, during the game. How how hard is it raining? Raining is not going to necessarily be a major factor, but if it's raining really, really hard, then obviously that then it could be a factor sometimes actually seeing it on uh, on your screen right before kickoff or right as the game is starting to be able to get down at that point i mean if you've already missed the best of the number early in the week betting those why not just wait until you you can get down uh in-game live betting well and something that's always interesting to me regarding weather games is that the total will move but the side doesn't always move in concert with the total and you would think big underdogs with the total going down. And there is a game we'll talk about later on in the show. You would think big underdogs would come down as the total comes down. Yep. If that doesn't happen, well, that's a pretty good context clue for you. But also, you know, in a given game, if there's going to be bad weather, you would think it's going to impact one team more than the other. So yep. even if you miss some line value on that total dropping down, we have seen total moves three, four, five points this week because of the weather at least you can handicap the side knowing that the weather is going to impact the game plan and think about it. You know, if you've got a team that you expect to be playing from in front, well, theoretically their team has to pass to get back into the game. If the weather is going to prohibit passing, well then, you know, maybe that kind of gives you some clues into your handicaps. So you don't have to take a bad number on the total or anything like that. You can use weather to handicap the side and possibly find an edge that way. Excellent point. Uh, and uh, immediately a game came to mind for me. It was last year, Purdue, Illinois, played in a rainstorm. I bet Purdue early in the week got in front of a ma- major line move, and the weather was horrific. Didn't, didn't know it was going to be like that on, until, you know, game day. It was a torrential downpour. Purdue already one-dimensional, wanted to throw the ball, couldn't throw the ball. It prohibited their offense, and they still kept trying to throw it. Illinois just, you know, <laughs> took advantage of some Purdue interceptions, ran the football, uh, and I, I had a ri- you know two three points of closing line value with Purdue, but uh, I you know just because of the way the weather was, I had a really really bad bet, and the market really didn't adjust and account for that. Yeah, so definitely something you want to take a look at here uh, in December. You know, obviously it's been something that we kind of been contending with in November, although the weather hasn't been too bad 
uh, in a lot of places, but definitely here this week, especially again, because usually we just have army Navy this week. And then we start talking about these bowl games, which are generally in, you know, warmer weather destinations, or at least places where snow and wind won't be a massive factor, but precipitation and wind could be a big factor here this week in college football, as well as over in the NFL, you know, here on a weekly basis, this deep into the year, but a couple of games tonight on Thursday night. We'll go ahead and start with these. Pitt's a touchdown favorite against Georgia Tech. This number was six and a half. I played six and a half. We talked about it yesterday on the show. If you wanted Pitt, you should get the six and a half while it's available. Now it's pretty much off the board. Total of 55. And then in the other game, Fort Atlantic and Southern Miss, seeing some FAU money come in here a little bit today, up to as high as nine and a half in the global markets. Total's gone up to 43 in this game as well. Anything on tonight's uh, two games for you, Brad? Just a couple of leans for me. I did like over and pit Georgia Tech, but again, the, that's been long gone four points ago. Over 51 on Sunday is where I bet it. 55, just a lean for me. Seven straight overs for Pitt. Uh, and, you know, I had their best defensive player opt out. So lean over there. I lean under, actually, in the, in the Florida Atlantic game. I mean, if you've been bl- blindly betting the under in their games this year, you're six and one, and you're covering by 17 points per game. I, I can't lay nine and a half on the road with an offense FAU that's averaging 18 points per game. I get it. Southern Miss down to a third string coach, third string quarterback, uh, and they're playing their final game. It's what's in what's been a very forgettable season. But uh, again, FAU's offense, and it doesn't make me want to run to the window to bet them as more than a touchdown favorite on the road. So I disagree with the movement towards the over and lean under in that one. I think that's one of those games we talked about live betting and seeking out opportunities for Southern Miss. I mean, look, they've covered their last two games. They've played, you know, admirably with everything that they've dealt with as a program here, but they've also had the last two weeks off. So you wonder if they're able Mm. to rally, if they were focused and engaged in practice and film study and all that, you know, do they want to go out with a good performance or are they ready for this thing to just be over where, They've had quarterback injuries. Their coach resigned after the first game. They've had multiple bouts of COVID on the roster. If they look like a team that doesn't want to be there, then you can make a live betting play on Florida Atlantic. If they look like they want to be there, well, you know, fairly high spread, low total games, stuff like that. That's one of those games that may fit the mold of what we're kind of talking about here on terms of finding live betting opportunities. Friday, a couple of pretty, um, one pretty good game another game where there could be some betting opportunities. And then also UTEP and North Texas, where North Texas, 10 and a half point favorite. Both you and I lost on North Texas last week against yeah. Louisiana Tech. Any chance you're laying doubles here with the, the mean green? No, I'm not. I mean, I just wasn't impressed at all with them last week. I, I thought they'd be able to handle Louisiana Tech off of, uh, you know, obviously the Bulldogs hadn't played since Halloween and they, they looked like they hadn't missed a beat. So that's concerning for me. Although, I mean, if, if you gave me a $20 bill, I'd probably lean North Texas here because who, who's to say what UTEP's going to be? I, I mean, I thought UTEP was a much improved football team, but that was in September. They basically played only a couple games since then. And I, this one got moved to Denton because of all the COVID restrictions and things that are going on in El Paso. Uh, lean North Texas, but uh, again, nothing more than a ham sandwich there. Massive game here Friday night in the Mountain West, Nevada and San Jose State. And a lot of the market now painted three with San Jose State, the favorite. This one at Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas, San Jose State, not able to play at home. Obviously, very heavy COVID restrictions across California on especially where San Jose State is located. Nevada, 
going to be kind of weird for them playing at Sam Boyd, not playing against their rival, but a ton on the line in this game for these two teams. Yeah, but they've already played at Sam Boyd this year. This is their third trip to Vegas already. They played at UNLV and Allegiant, already played New Mexico and Sam Boyd, now playing San Jose State and Sam Boyd. So kind of business as usual for them. I would lean Nevada plus three, prefer the under. Uh, and, you know, Nevada's defense is a little bit better than the market's giving it credit for. People think Carson's strong in offense for them. Uh, that, that defense isn't that bad. And San Jose State's defense has been pretty good. So in an all-important game where every possession is going to matter, uh, the winner's going to, you know, clinch a berth in the Mountain West Championship game, lean under for me. That would be my preference. I do like Nevada a little bit in this one. I've actually got this line on the other side. I've got Nevada favored in this one. Oh, wow. With the, with the neutral site setting. And the thing I think is really interesting about this game, both of these defenses under five yards per play allowed. So they've both been very, very good at the same time. Like the mountain West is bad. I mean, offensively, this is a pretty poor conference. The reason why I like Nevada along with a little bit of a power ratings look is that San Jose state's defense has not seen any team with any level of passing efficiency, really outside of Hawaii. Nevada is a better passing offense than Hawaii. So I think it's a a pretty interesting matchup here for San Jose state. And one other thing, I know it's a weird season and there are a lot of strange things happening that, you know, we're not really accustomed to. It's not like either one of these teams are used to playing games in a big spotlight type of setting. Nevada does have a little bit more experience with it. San Jose state really doesn't. I, I sort of wonder how the Spartans respond to, you know, how big of a moment this is with the winner likely getting Boise State in the conference title game. Excellent points. Uh, I I certainly have that concern. And that's why, you know, while I lean with Nevada here, and I have it San Jose State minus one, so certainly power ratings agree with that. But I'm kind of hoping San Jose State might win because, and they probably play uh, Boise State next week. Then I think the brights will be pretty light, uh, bright for San Jose State playing a Boise State program that has been there, done that. Uh, that'll be my preference as far as fading San Jose State. And that game would be at Boise State, right? They'd be at home in that one? Uh, I don't know. I don't I, know. Honestly, I, I think it might be here. It's, well, it's going to be played at the, the, you know, the home team of the – and I don't know if they'll make changes like the Big Ten and put it at Boise State. I mean, Boise State's lost the game, but obviously it was a non-conference against BYU, so I don't know how they're going to treat it. But, I mean, I think it came down to winning percentage, and obviously San Jose State would have played more conference games. So, technically, it should be at San Jose State, but uh, who knows? I, I don't know how they're going to treat that one. Maybe they play it here at Sam Boyd. Yeah, again, maybe they played at Allegiant. Who knows? A lot of moving parts. Ooh, here that's a good point. Why a lot not of moving parts in that game? All right. Oh, yeah. Probably not a whole lot of moving parts in this game. Arizona State, Arizona Territorial Cup, uh, pretty watered down version of it here for this year. Arizona's not played particularly well. You and I have been very critical of Kevin Sumlin on this show. think we should see Arizona move on from Kevin Sumlin, but, you know, financially may not be the smartest decision for them here at this point in time. Arizona State's played two games, so pretty much a throwaway season for them. What do you think about this one here on Friday night? I bet Arizona State, uh, but again, much better number, minus eight. Again, I wish I could run a service on on what I bet. Uh, 11 and a half, I still lean that way. I think that's the only way to go here. I know it's kind of a lost season, but they're better than 0-2. I've watched their games, could have beaten USC. 
I bet against Arizona State last week. Very fortunate to win that game after a slow start, which was expected. The fact that they didn't play a game in a month. Uh, they, they outplayed UCLA in the second half of that game. A UCLA team that I think is pretty good. So uh, Arizona State's better than their 0-2 record. Arizona's not. I mean, they deserve to be 0-4 uh, and going nowhere under someone. I mean, what, a school record, 11 straight losses now? I, they got to cut their ties. I don't care how much it costs you. Uh, if it puts you in the red, what's putting you in the red right now is, is a, a very bad hire with Kevin Sublin. So uh, I think Arizona State gets a, a a comfortable win over their rival. Well, and that's the interesting thing. You know, I think both of us kind of look at Arizona and say they're probably ready for this thing to be over. On the other hand, it is the rivalry game. So, yep. you know, does that kind of spark something for them? And again, I think a live betting opportunity here. If they're getting pushed around early and Arizona State gets out to a comfortable lead, Arizona may roll over. It may just be a spot where they're kind of done with it. So maybe a live betting opportunity on Arizona State to run this thing up a little bit if they get the opportunity. Absolutely. And another thing you got to look out here is, you know, the next few days, quarterback situation. Does Gunnell come back for Arizona? He's significantly better than than what they're getting uh, production-wise out of the true freshman, Will Plummer. Uh, Reading the tea leaves, I thought Gunnell's shoulder was going to put him out for the season. They haven't been, you know, officially said that yet, but I'll be surprised if he play if he plays. But if he does, you're going to see a little bit of Arizona money come into the market. So that's one thing that, that you need to keep an eye on here in the next few days. An interesting one at the top of the board for Saturday here, Wake Forest and Louisville. Louisville, one or one and a half, depending on where you look. 63, pretty much the predominant number across the board here for this total. And what's really interesting about this one is that Wake Forest has turned the ball over once this year. Louisville turns the ball over basically three <laughs> times a game. Yeah, so once a quarter. Is, is this handicap <laughs> that simple? I think it is. I mean, I, that, that's the handicap for me. I know turnovers can mainly be random. I don't think they're random with these teams. I see it every single game for both of these teams. You got one team in Wake Forest is plus 15 on the season. You got a Louisville team that's minus 14. Why are we bring it up? If you win the turnover battle in college football, I just looked it up this week, you cover the point spread 70% of the time. I think there's a greater than 50% chance Wake Forest wins the turnover battle. I think it's actually, you know, probably 55, 60% chance that they win the turnover battle. And if that's the case, I think they'll likely cover the point spread. One plus one in this instance equals two. Got to take Wake. This is one, too, where Scott Satterfield coming out of Louisville's last game had some strange comments. I mean, he kind of talked himself. He interviewed for the, I mean, interviewed for the South Carolina job. What the hell's going on? Yeah, is and I mean I don't I don't blame the guy for looking at opportunities, but you kind of look at Louisville here where they've fallen well short of expectations this season anyway. I've talked about this at a couple of different junctures. I had them power rated to be pretty clearly the second best team in that division, and it has not come to fruition at all. I don't know what's going on, if there's some kind of disconnect, if there's some sort of unrest in that locker room. I don't know, but the optics of everything don't look very good right now for Louisville. And, and Wake Forest, I mean, Dave Clawson's a very, very good head coach. They should be pretty prepared for this game, I would think. I'm, I'm not saying that Wake Forest should be the favorite, but I'm kind of surprised that this line hasn't swung that way as of yet. I think the, 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 the pause is you haven't seen Wake Forest since November 14th. That, that's the okay. hangout for me. How do they respond after being a month off? Other than that, and I think they're, I got to look into it. I think there's a couple of running backs out maybe possibly for Wake Forest, so. 
I got to dive in deeper. This is one just talking to you in this segment and doing the write up in my newsletter uh, last night, that game I wasn't really looking at too much, but you know, talking it through, writing it up. I'm certainly looking to bet Wake Forest here. Just got to do a little bit more legwork on this one. I don't think either one of us wants to talk about Duke and Florida State. So no, pass. Okay. (laughs) Uh, All right. So let's go to this Oklahoma and West Virginia game. And and I think this one's really fascinating because the line opened around where the line was when this game was originally supposed to be played a couple of weeks ago. Oklahoma last week, not a great showing against Baylor. Under 300 yards, 4.6 yards per play. Still a better showing than West Virginia against Iowa State where they just got taken to the woodshed. This one's up to 14 now. What do you think about this game where the total has come down a little bit as well? Yeah, I lean West Virginia. It's it's a little pricey on Oklahoma. I think West Virginia got downgraded significantly, deservedly so, for getting crushed by Iowa State. But I don't think Oklahoma got punished for – I didn't think it was a good result at all against Baylor, especially – I mean, they won by 13, so they didn't cover. But if you dive in the box score, Baylor outgained them. Baylor missed a couple of field goals, had a couple of key turnovers in Oklahoma uh, territory. So, I mean, Baylor could have been – really live in that game uh if not for those couple errors that they had so i lean west virginia i did bet the under here uh both teams defenses are, are the class of the of the big 12 and the, the the hang up for west virginia is this when they can run the ball they, they do well i mean they've averaged 211 yards per game in their wins 64 rushing yards per game in their losses and Oklahoma this year allowing just 89 rushing yards per game that that's you know early 2000s Oklahoma type style defense and that's not getting enough play in the market so preference you know I lean West Virginia preference so it would be the under for me I agree with everything you said in that handicap I'm waiting on this one I don't think I get a 14 and a half but if I can find 14 you know minus 05 something like that I'll take a piece of West Virginia but I do yep. like the under in this game as well even though this total has moved a little bit You know, Oklahoma, their season kind of turned when their defense figured it out. You know, the offense has kind of been a little bit up and down with Spencer Rattler, but their season turned when the defense really got things going. I would expect the same here. Also, early kickoff in Morgantown, Oklahoma with bigger fish to fry in the future in the Big 12 championship game. I think this is a very, very slow start. So maybe a first half under, full game under, possibly look for that, you know, 3-0 middle with a second half over, something like that. But I agree with you on the under for that game for sure. What about the next one on the board? 119-120, Coastal and Troy. Some interesting line movement on this game. I know you picked up Troy plus 15 early in the week. This one came all the way down to 12 and a half before getting bet back up to 14. Uh, what do you think about it kind of sitting here at the current number of 14? Yeah, I like Troy at, at the current uh, number. Uh, not surprised people are betting Coastal Carolina. Why? I mean, they've covered every single game against FBS competition. I think their lone non-cover what was against Campbell, and I think they pushed the game against South Alabama. They've covered every other game. So uh, <laughs> not surprised we're getting that. A lot of people love Coastal Carolina. I don't. I got to play Troy. Why? I love playing historical outliers, and Coastal Carolina just had their biggest win in school history. They got the Sun Belt Championship game on deck. Jamie Chadwell, their coach, even brought it up uh, that he didn't think it was fair uh, that, that he's playing this week and UL Lafayette isn't. He brought that up in the post. You just won your biggest game ever against BYU, and he brought this up in the post-game press conference of the BYU game on how it's not fair they're playing this week. So I got to play Troy. I don't know. I, I can't disagree with anything you said there. What's your line? I, Coastal's at home against Louisiana in the, in the Sun Belt title game, right? Yeah, I got Coastal. Th- yeah, Coastal. 
Coastal's at home, and I have it 13 and uh, – not 13 and a half. That's this game. Uh, I have it three and a half, Coastal three and a half. Okay. I got Coastal five. So All right. So, what do you think? It comes out four? Somewhere but splits the difference in our numbers? Yeah, I feel like I'm a little lo- – yeah, splitting the difference. I feel like I'm a little low on Coastal in the power ratings. So, yeah, four sounds about right. I See, that's one of the difficulties of power ratings, and we can talk about this, you know, heading into next season, is that – do you, you know, want to be in line with the market or do you want to be in line with, you know, your own perception and evaluation of these teams? And, you know, for me, I mean, look, I give Coastal all the credit in the world. I've loved watching their games. I love everything that Chadwell's doing. I have Coastal 23rd in my power ratings. So, Holy cow. you know, for me, I've kind of followed the market trend where the market keeps going up and up and up on them. And also they've been covering the numbers too. Yep. So that's kind of the difference, I think, between you and I. We probably have Louisiana in a similar spot. I'm just maybe a point and a half or so higher on Coastal. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I mean, I got him 35th in the country. If I gave him an extra point and a half or so, they'd be, you know, creeping into that top 25 range. I've upgraded Coastal more than any team in the country, 16 and a half points this year, and I was high on them coming into the season. I mean, my first uh, in their first three, four games, I think I bet them and put them in my newsletter a couple of times. So, I mean, I was all about coastal at the start of the season. I just, I've been priced out. Maybe I, I don't upgrade teams, you know, maybe fast enough, but I've had success, uh, you know, other than, you know, across the board, pretty much what I struggle with is the teams that just consistently just cr- crush numbers. And maybe I just don't upgrade those teams enough. No, I think that's fair. And also it feels like the market's been a little more reactionary than usual this year. So I have made, some much more significant adjustments when we've had a decent sample size for these teams. So that could be a difference between my set of power ratings and yours as well. Game 127-128 is a real head scratcher for me. Houston's up to five against Memphis here, total 62 and a half, 63. And maybe it's fair with where both teams are for this season, but you don't see Memphis in a home conference dog roll like this in the AAC very often. And this line's even gone up. I think I have Memphis minus one personally. Memphis minus one for me. Uh, is I'll somebody opting it. out? Is there COVID? Is, what That's the, the I haven't seen anything yet. I got to do more legwork. I am very concerned that this line is moving so significantly uh, against my power rating. Uh, but, but it's one of my biggest overlays of the week. If I do the legwork and I don't see COVID issues at Memphis uh, and, and anything that, that, that raises some red flags, I will bet Memphis. I, what Houston hasn't played in a month. They're average at best. They've lost the three best teams they played. They've beaten the three you know weaker teams that they played. Memphis is kind of in that middle. I've seen Memphis play. I mean, they've consistently been playing games, actually, the, the last few weeks. And it hasn't been – it's been underwhelming, but, I mean – I just, I don't, I don't get it. Houston minus five. I just, I'm stunned that they're favored and I'm stunned, even more stunned that they're taking money. That's, that's the part that I can't get. You know, if you want to favor Houston, if you think maybe there's a sentiment that Memphis is kind of quitting on the season a little bit, something like that. I also thought last week's line for Memphis and Tulane was, was pretty eye catching and Tulane obviously you know, took care of business yeah, there in that one. Point. Maybe Memphis just isn't very good or maybe they're just not very engaged or, you know, Brady White's kind of regressed this year as a 12th year senior. I, I don't know, <laughs> but there's something off about that game. And, and I can't figure out what it is. And it's probably going to lead me to, you know, leave my power ratings overlay alone. Probably the case for me. I'll, I already bet Memphis. So uh, I just got to figure out whether I'm doubling down or trying to get off. I bet him at a bad number though. Plus three. 
uh, <laughs> on Sunday. So uh, I liked him enough to bet him at plus three. I, I, I'm concerned that it's moved against me. Most numbers don't uh, more often than not. And, uh, but again, I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of steam chasing this year more than ever, you know, to, especially if they think it's, you know, maybe COVID related. I mean, people just keep batting, 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 even at bad numbers. And we've seen, you know, co- obviously the, depending on what, what it is and who's out, but I mean, it's been 50, 50 at best uh, on uh, these big uh, steam moves. Yeah. And, and like you said, I mean, maybe people are just chasing, assuming, you know, making assumptions yep. that, that there is something going on and I won't do that. And from the sound of it, you won't do that either. So we'll see what happens with that line. If it does come back down or if something comes to light uh, about the Memphis Tigers football program, Game 133-134, I mean, this is a throwaway game for most people. I'm sure most shows aren't even going to talk about it, but TCU's laying 21.5 against Louisiana Tech here. Totals come down from 54.5 to as low as 52 in the marketplace. I have no idea what to do with this game simply because, look, I mean, La Tech's getting a chance against a Power 5 team, and maybe that keeps them engaged. I know TCU's a lot better, but I also don't know really – what TCU is. And I've talked about them in a few junctures here too, where I just don't think they're very good. And Patterson's trending in the wrong direction with this team. Are you invested in this game at all? I am. Uh, I bet the the over again in a bad number. I'm surprised. And I got to check weather. Uh, Maybe that's the issue uh, in this one, but I TCU and Oklahoma state game, that game left a ton of points on the board uh, by both teams. Uh, Louisiana Tech offensively looked fine last week against North Texas. Didn't look like they missed a beat, even though they hadn't played it in six weeks. Uh, over for me, I also lean La Tech. Uh, Skip Holtz is a big dog. Yeah, gimme, gimme, gimme there. Not a big bet. But, yeah, TC, I, they're, I guess they're going the right direction this year. They've won and covered four of their last five games. But, again, they don't look overly impressive doing it. Uh uh, I mean, I, I give them credit last week. They covered a game that they were minus four in turnovers. And I mean, that's incredibly tough to do, but again, they didn't look that great doing it again, very sloppy. Uh, so, I mean, mm, I, 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 a lot of qu- more question marks and answers. Lean over lean dog. That's what I got. That sounds good. And I apologize to our listeners. If you wanted to hear Gary Patterson's country music on today's show, which Brad and I talked oh, about last yeah, week, yeah. I, I forgot all about it here. So I don't have that yeah. queued up. Uh, my apologies. Would have been a great lead-in uh, for it TCU. Would have been. But maybe we get another opportunity down the line here. Next game on the board. I know you've got a stronger opinion on this one. One thirty-five, one thirty-six. Utah State, Colorado State. The floor is yours because I totally agree with your position on this game. Yeah, and I'm just looking. It looks like a Utah State's taking a little bit of money. I got to look into it. That really concerns me. I thought the number would jump up to fourteen, but I love Colorado State here. Here's the value that I see. Colorado State has gotten, you know, failed to cover the last two games against Boise State and San Diego State. Why? They, they gave up five, five special teams touchdowns combined in those two games. If you look at the yardage, doesn't look too bad at all in, in both of those games. I got a first-year coach. I'm not a huge fan of Steve Adazio, but I think they're going to try to want to build momentum here uh, in, in a game that they should absolutely win. Utah State's with an interim coach, just got crushed. Uh, last week at home against Air Force, I, I I just love the value here on Colorado State, and a little surprise this morning. I'm seeing a little bit of Utah State money come in. Yeah, maybe it's just one of those things where you know, again, a game that's got a a relatively low total in the low 50s. You got the double digit dog, this and that. 
maybe people don't want to trust Colorado State and Adazio is a big favorite, but I agree with you. And this is where box score study comes into play. I know we talk a lot about power ratings on this specific segment with Brad, but we talk a lot about box score study. I do it on Mondays by myself. I do it on Wednesdays with Kyle Hunter and we work it into the handicap here on Thursdays. Colorado State with those five special teams touchdowns against, they didn't play that badly defensively against Boise State. They just had all sorts of issues on special teams. And maybe that happens again here. It's a possibility. But Colorado State, and we talked about this yesterday on the show, they're like 14th or something in yards per play allowed and like 103rd in points per game allowed. And it's because of their special teams problems. This is a play on spot from a box score and statistical standpoint for Colorado State. So I completely agree with your take on the game. Thank you. Made me feel a little bit better. Let's hope it wins. I, know, I mean, we, th- this is typically, I mean, this is why I do what I do. I mean, this is just one where, because you know, I, I, I do a, a box score right up on every single game. And so it's been like 500 games already this year. Uh, and this is one where, where, why do you go through the play-by-plays and the box scores each week? Uh, this is exhibit A. I, I'm, I mean, I hope it wins, uh, but I mean, th- this is, you know, one of, if you talk about some of the pillars of my handicapping, this would be one of them here. Next game I want to touch on here, Auburn laying six and a half on the road in Stark Vegas, total 49 and a half against Mississippi State. I've got an overlay on this game. I've got Auburn more like a double-digit favorite. What what am I missing? Why why is this line off of seven? Uh, I got it at nine. So, so yeah, powering, say, Auburn's a play. I didn't play it, though. I, I don't know if Auburn – I mean, they just got done playing Alabama in an A&M game where they had an opportunity to win. I bet them last week. 17 nothing. they get outscored in the fourth quarter. I mean, what else is there to play for here? Mississippi State, you thought they give, were waving the white flag on the season, and they're probably off two of their better performances in seven-point losses at Georgia and uh, at Ole Miss. So they haven't given up on the season, uh, it looks like. So that's why I can't bet it. What I did bet, I bet the over 45. If Auburn's not interested, well, where, where does that usually show up? A lot of times it shows up on defense. Uh, and Mississippi State has finally got their offense moving a little bit the last couple of weeks, so I bet over 45. We'll come back to the SEC in a second, but Utah-Colorado, Colorado two-point favorite here, low total on this game as well. What do you think about this one, where you know Colorado has exceeded expectations greatly, and I think Utah is better than what their performance would suggest so far? Huge overlay here. Uh, I have Utah four, so I, I like Utah. Bet them plus three. Obviously, that's a key number. Would love to be able to give them out at that. Still, I think they win the game. So you know, give me Utah money line. I look. I bet Colorado. I've had Colorado as my top play of the week the last two weeks, and uh, they're getting overvalued now in the market. Utah, you're right. Better than their performance. Better in the USC game because of turnovers. Better in the Washington game because they gave up a 21 nothing lead. Better last week because they gave up two late touchdowns in the fourth quarter against Oregon State. They have not played a complete game yet. If they do finally put it together, that I mean, if you told me, hey, Utah is going to play 60 minutes to their capability, and Colorado is going to play 60 minutes to their capability, I would have my biggest bet of the week on Utah. Yeah, this is one I, I agree. I mean, I think this is a spot where Colorado's played well. They've been a great story, but I think Utah is still the more trustworthy team just from a historical standpoint and from the fact that the more data points you give Kyle Whittingham, the better his team should wind up being. And I yep. think this is a, a pretty good spot here for Utah. Early kickoff, though, in Boulder. Uh, so we'll see what happens there with that one. 
Am I an idiot for wanting to fade Alabama this week minus 32? Oh, I mean, I the, the thing, and here's the whole crux of my argument, and I could be dead wrong on this. The way you compete with Alabama is you score with Alabama. If you try to beat them 21-17, 24-21, something like that, you're not going to do it. But we've seen Ole Miss. We saw Ole Miss early in the year go up and down the field with Alabama for a while, rack up, what, 700 yards in that game, something like yeah. that. We've seen Texas A&M do it in the past with Johnny Manziel and you know some of the teams that they've had. I don't know. To me, I look at Arkansas and they're perfectly comfortable playing a game that they lose, you know, fifty-five to thirty-one or something like that. Yeah, I, it makes sense. I mean, the SEC championship games on deck—they're often you know a big performance against LSU. Uh, Arkansas has been you know better than their three and six record. They could easily you know won a couple more games. Uh, they're seven and two against the number. Yeah, Arkansas, you know, sounds good in theory, but <laughs> even though you're paying a premium on Alabama, I mean, they've covered six straight by 12 points per game. The Crimson Tide, the most public team in college football, has covered six straight by 12 points per game. I mean, I just think they're significantly better than everybody else. I don't care if it's Arkansas or if it's Clemson. I mean, Alabama, to me, very surprising if they're not, you know, bringing home the, the championship when it's all said and done, but I mean, 32 does sound like too much, but I thought, I thought 29 might've been too much last week and no problem covering that. They had it by halftime. Yeah. What is your Clemson, Alabama number? If, if they do meet, I think I'm up to four and a half right now. It gets wider each week. Yeah. yeah four and a half, four and a half. I got four on that one. I've got Alabama nine and a half better than Ohio state, uh, 12 better than Florida. And then, uh, what, 16 better than Notre Dame? Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, I, th- I think I got the Buckeye game a little tighter. Uh, it's in the seven and a half, eight range. Uh, Alabama, Florida in the two touchdown range. And then uh, I think the 15, 15 and a half range with, against the Irish. All right. So I got Florida a little bit higher in the market than you do. And, and we'll see, you know, what that looks like in terms of next week's game. Yep. I'll win Florida and Alabama do wind up getting together let's do a highlight video here for one of these sec games i'm host adam burke of ats radio joined by professional better and handicapper brad powers from bradpowersports.com game 307 308 is tennessee and vanderbilt tennessee laying 15 which seems like a very big number for a struggling volunteers bunch total 50 and a half in this one but brad you don't think it's that big of a number for the volunteers yeah, with a team that's lost six straight games playing, you know, a couple of young quarterbacks on the road. Uh, yeah, it doesn't sound ideal, but I am going to lay it here with Tennessee minus the 15. And to me, it comes down to it's more of a play against Vanderbilt, who, you know, has had a lot of bad performances this season. They just had their worst performance of the season in their last game against Missouri. They get beat 41-0, uh, and the box score reflected that out game by like 400 yards and to me, Tennessee's just as good as Missouri. Crushed them earlier in the year when Tennessee was playing, you know, better at, at that point. And I just think Jeremy Pruitt and the Volunteers need a feel-good win. They are on the school record six-game losing streak. And, it, you know, you could say, oh, they kind of given up on the season. No, they haven't. They got the back door against Florida last week. Could have covered against Auburn, if not for a 100-yard interception return touchdown. So I don't think they've given up at all. I question whether or not Vanderbilt gave up the season. Interim coach that has no shot of getting the, the full gig because they're already interviewing other coaches uh, the Sarah, Sarah Fuller story, the, the girl kicker. I mean, I don't care where you're at on that side of the spectrum, 
but reading the tea leaves and I do a lot of work in the Nashville area as far as shows and they kind of give me little tidbits. I'm not sure that that's overwhelmingly supportive uh, of everybody in that locker room. So uh, I don't think that's a good mix. And Vanderbilt uh, earlier when they released the depth chart, looks like they're going to be down to less than 50 scholarship players for this game. So add it up for me. I think Tennessee rolls. And if they get an opportunity to put it on Vanderbilt, I think they do it. Yeah, and that's an excellent point here, too, in these rivalry games. If you get a chance to kick an opponent while they're down, you, do it. you want to do it. And especially for Tennessee, with the season that they're having, the situation that they're in. And you bring up some great points about Vanderbilt, some things that maybe we're not as privy to in a general sense of, you know, where that locker room kind of sits with everything going on. And not even just the Sarah Fuller story, but simply Derek Mason was probably a pretty well-liked coach in that locker room. He didn't have a whole lot to work with. The, you know, admissions requirements at Vanderbilt are quite high, especially relative to the other SEC programs. He didn't have, he wasn't really set up for success there, but becomes the scapegoat as is often the case with these coaches. And, you know, I wonder for the players, you know, if it's something where they show up at all here in this game. And I think you're definitely on to a lot of good points with that handicap. So, Brad Powers on Tennessee here. I agree with his position laying 15 or 15 and a half against Vanderbilt here in week 15. Make sure you subscribe to our ATS YouTube page for all of our highlight videos and also check out our full shows on ATS radio, which you can find anywhere you stream and download your podcast content. All right, looking down the rest of the board here, want to make sure we got some time to talk some NFL, but uh, the big 10, you know, obviously uh, they've changed the rules for Ohio state in the playoff. i get I guess why people are upset about that but the conference gets money when Ohio State goes to the playoff the networks want money for Ohio State going to the playoff yep. it was going to happen it is what it is Wisconsin a one and a half point favorite 41 and a half the total against Iowa Penn State laying over two touchdowns at home against Michigan State with a low total in that one Rutgers and Maryland Maryland laying over a touchdown anything in those three big 10 games from you Uh, strongest position is going to be Rutgers for me. I just, I've seen them play and I know they're off probably their worst performance this season, but you know, Penn state uh, just, you know, I think Penn state's a little undervalued just because they started 0 five. They could have easily won a couple more games. So I I thought it was more good Penn state than bad Rutgers. Other than that, Rutgers has been relatively consistent this year. I mean, I don't know what to expect with Maryland. Uh, I mean, yeah, they got a couple of big outright wins over Minnesota who stinks this year uh, against Penn state who obviously was in the stretch of that 0-5 start. but And they also got crushed by Northwestern, got beat by Indiana. I just, I'm not laying more than a touchdown with Mike Loxley as head coach. I have the coaching edge superior, I think, in my opinion, with Shiano. And I got a team that's been playing every single week against a team that's been ravaged with COVID with three of their last four games canceled. So yeah, it had to take the touchdown plus here. And power ratings, I only have Maryland by four. The other games, I agree with the money on Wisconsin. I got them one. Can't bet it now, though. And I, I'd lean Penn State or Michigan State. I think, I think the Spartans are done. Well, and also the, the canceled game with Maryland and Ohio State, you were on Ohio State in that one as well. Big, so, yeah. Yeah, that was one of your bigger overlays. I, I had a pretty big overlay in that game, too. So uh, definitely understand continuing to follow through with that anti-Maryland sentiment there in that one. Uh, the MAC games. We've got Western Michigan Ball State massive game. Winner goes to Detroit to take on Buffalo at Ford Field for the conference championship. Akron and Buffalo, not so much. NIU, Eastern Michigan, same thing. Central and Toledo. Central's down to their third string quarterback now, so that's why that line's sitting there at double digits. But 
This Western Michigan Ball State game, I think, is really interesting. Totals come down a little bit, weather effect or in the Midwest, as we already talked about. But this one came off of three early in the week. Ball State now pretty much two, two and a half market wide. What do you think about this one, which looks to be a very good, very competitive game? Yeah, winner, you know, is going to play for the MAC championship. So that motivation's not going to be an issue. Uh, for either and that, that that's kind of what you you want to take some of the variance out of it especially this year so I mean I, I'm not going to question either team's motivation so then it comes to the power rating unfortunately I got it ball state two two and a half so I, I didn't have a bet I'll say this almost across the board in the MAC games let's see how bad the weather is because I mean I've seen a lot of movement toward the under already and I'll tell you, if the weather isn't as bad as what's being forecasted right now, I think the market's kind of overreacted if that's going to be the case. I mean, I I'm, I might be betting some, you know, MAC games over the total because if you've been following in the MAC this year, very high scoring league. It reminds me of the, the whack in the 80s and 90s in some of these games. So I mean, we'll see Toledo Central Michigan. I could bet the over there, Eastern Michigan, Northern Illinois over in this Ball State Western Michigan game and the weather's not that bad I mean I'd go over in this one as well all right so a higher profile game in the ACC a couple of them and then we'll transition over to the NFL side of things here North Carolina and Miami Miami laying three total in this game up in the upper 60s how about this one um power ratings Miami four Eh, I'm just not anxious to, to to lay it there over that sounds very public but I mean both the you know, both teams got a really good quarterback play. Uh, Miami's found a little bit more of their vertical pass game. A lot of weapons for North Carolina. Lean over. Really good game. Popcorn game, really, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Not going to get a lot of national attention. It should. Uh, just the game that, you know, I'm going to sit down and enjoy some. I mean, that's college football there. Two teams that I think are legitimate top 20 caliber. Yeah, I, I got this one Miami minus one. So I got a, a little oh, bit wow. of value on the North Carolina side. I talked about this on yesterday's show. Um, actually, a different show that I did, uh, The Odds Breakers with Kev O'Neill. Very good show there. But uh, I like I couldn't tell you anything Miami did this year outside of losing to Clemson badly. Like, I just, for whatever reason, out of sight, out of mind with this team. <laughs> and, and I feel like maybe that's reflective in my power rating where you, know, you and I are, are three points different here. But just... I, I couldn't tell you anything Miami's done. And it's not because I dislike Miami or anything like that. It's just, I don't know. They, they just have not gotten my attention any week, really, you know, since losing to Clemson. And maybe I just wrote them off and maybe shame on me for that. Maybe there were some opportunities to make some money on them coming out of that game. But I can't tell you a damn thing Miami's done otherwise. And, and I can tell you that you know, North Carolina, while they've disappointed me a little bit from where I had them, I still know they've got a very high ceiling. So I'd, I give them the benefit of the doubt, but like you, I think this is a game that could easily get to the eighties where neither team's playing for anything except for, you know, padding their own stats. Oh, I think Miami's playing for the possibility to go to the orange bowl highest rated, you know, ACC team. That's not in the playoff. That's a good point. Goes to the orange bowl. So I think, you know, they win this one. They're in, in pretty good shape for that, depending on what happens. And, you know, I'm expecting both Notre Dame and Clemson to be in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's at least that you, I'll tell you why you haven't, you haven't been, you know, Miami hasn't been in your thought process. I, there hasn't been incredible values in their games. Most of their games play right to the point spread that, you know, they failed to cover the spread a couple of times as a double digit favorite, but they still won the game. Uh, and they're just, you know, their most impressive performance was last week, 48, nothing. That was the eye popping, uh, winner loss that they've had since the Clemson game. 
What about the rivalry game here? 421, 422, Virginia, Virginia Tech. I don't know if either one of these teams is, is honestly worth a bet here. Virginia, we've talked about them a lot on the show that their statistical profile screams regression, and we may run out of time to actually play against them. Although I know we did a little bit last week on the show with Boston College, and that one didn't work out. But yeah. how the hell can I lay a number with Virginia Tech here with what's going on with that program where offensively they're fine. They're actually quite good offensively. Defensively, they're a shit show. Yeah, no more, you know, Bud Foster was as much as the Virginia Tech program as Frank Beamer. Uh, two teams of programs heading in opposite directions as far as I'm concerned. But I need three from Virginia to bet them. You're right. Their, their record is better than their statistical profile. You know, Bill, Phil Jerkovic, the Boston College quarterback, late scratch last week, very late scratch, where, where the market didn't know that until right before game time. Uh, and, and Boston no College threw for 520 yards anyway. Yeah, but the kid threw three, four interceptions. So oh, yeah. that, that, that's what did it in. So, yeah, I – maybe higher scoring. I I'll have to check the weather on this one. Maybe a higher scoring game. All right. I guess I lied. I guess I'd ask you about one more college game here just because I, we have to talk about this game. I love this game every year. I don't care how ugly it ends up being. I always watch it. Army Navy game, army at home here at West point. And this number has gone up pretty much gradually throughout the week. Now to where it sits on seven, some books, even juicing the seven to minus one fifteen. Total has officially plummeted. 14 in a row have gone under. Everyone's kind of picked up on this already, finally. Total 37 and a half. What do you think about Army-Navy this year? Yeah, let's see how low that goes because I, you know, I, I want to play the over. I played the under at 43, but it's getting to the point now. It's almost ridiculous. I mean, people are just blindly playing that trend, and, and it's now by far the lowest total in that stretch. That's what people don't realize, that that we if it was against this number, it wouldn't be 14 straight uh, unders. Uh, tough because it's the first time it's been on campus since 1943. It's not that isolated game uh, where it gets all the attention for one week. Uh, it's only the second time Army's been favored in the series since 2002. Seven seems right. They're the superior team. Navy Navy stinks. I mean, they just do. And and here's the thing that I understand some of the money towards Army. Navy's had to play the last two weeks. They they can't, you know, put all the, the, the preparation, the playbook towards this game. Meanwhile, Army's been off the last two weeks. So that's a significant edge for Army here. But again, with a total in approaching the mid-30s, I'm not laying more than a touchdown. Well, and I mean, obviously, this is the premier game of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy Series, but Army plays Air Force next week. They don't usually play after the Navy game, due in large part because they don't make a bowl game. They have the last few years, but they don't play the week right after playing Navy. So that's a fascinating handicap next week that I'm sure we'll talk about on the show. Yeah, I want Army to to beat up Navy pretty good, and then I'll take Air Force next week. That'll be the bet. I agree. I think so too. Even with Air Force coming cross country to West Point, I think that's still probably the way to look there in that one. All right, we transition over to the NFL side of the spectrum here for week 14. And uh, we start with the Thursday night game for the day of listeners. And you and I were kind of talking about this before we hit the record button and started doing today's show that uh, it's surprising to both of us to see Patriots money coming in to drop this one down to four and a half tonight with a total of 44. It is. I lean under, and we've seen some money come in on the under, but I prefer the Rams now. I mean, I don't think people realize this. If you're just going off a of yards per game differential, the Rams are number one in the NFL. I mean, they they have been you know more impressive than even their results. 
Uh, last week I played him, even though the market was kind of, I, I thought shortened him in the game against the Cardinals. I know new England has, you know, coming off a couple wins, but I mean, they've all, even though they beat the Chargers 45, nothing last week in their last two games of Patriots offense, 470 yards, not per game, total, total yards, 40, 470. I just, on a short week, I know they stayed out in LA. So travel is not really an issue. But Thursday night home favorites, now people don't bet them enough. 60% against the spread. I like the Rams here. I like the Rams too. I mean, I, this is a game that I liked at six. And I just kind of I kind of sat there letting it marinate, you know, because I'm yep. like, well, whatever. I'm not going to put – it's not going to be a huge bet or anything like that. I'm going to pay attention to the game tonight because what the hell else am I going to do? So I'll put some action on the Rams because I do like them at six. And I like them a lot at four and a half. I mean, I agree with what you're saying that – I don't think people realize how good the Rams are. And I've kind of picked up on this. I've, I've taken them the last two weeks in the circa, had them against Tampa Bay, had them against Arizona. I think that what people don't like about the Rams is they still have this perception of Jared Goff. And Jared Goff's mm, been pretty point. decent this year, while the Rams have one of the best running games in the NFL, top running game by DVOA, from what I remember. McVay has figured out how to zig while everyone else is zagging. Everyone else wants to be Sean McVay. Now Sean McVay is doing his own thing, and the Rams are really good defensively. They've got shutdown guys at both corners. They've got the best defensive lineman in, in the world in Aaron Donald. This is a really good football team, and I don't think people realize it because they want to sit here and shit on Jared Goff all the time. I uh, Rams minus four and a half for me. I like them at six. I certainly like them at four and a half. No disagreement for me, buddy. And I, maybe there's, you know, people are remembering the Super Bowl and the, and the mismatch in, in that regard. Not the same teams. No, not, not certainly not New England. And, and maybe maybe New England's better than I'm giving them credit for. They're not. Like, last They're not. week, they beat a team that the coach came out and said, yeah, we're not making the playoffs. Like, I I don't know what's well, going know, I'm to surp- be in mind. But. What I'm so surprised uh, of the pro New England money there, it was anti New England money in the market last week, and right. and that scared me. And I know a lot of sharp guys that are actually sharper than me in the NFL were betting the Chargers and telling me how they were like one of their favorite bets. I'm like, I, I, I'm not seeing it. It's the biggest coaching mismatch of all time. I mean, all time. That's was my, my my words, and you know, it proved out to be that case. But you look at the statistical. I mean, that was nowhere near a 45 nothing game last week. No, not at all. I, I don't get this money. And there have been some game day moves this season that I've just, I have not gotten at all. And some of them have been right. Some of them have been wrong. I, I don't know where this one falls, but I can tell you what, I'm, I'm playing the Rams. I mean, I don't think it's going to go any lower down to four. I'll have to take the four and a half, but you know, I, I'm on the Rams tonight. So uh, we'll see if we can start the NFL week off with a winner. I'm not taking it in the circa for what it's worth. I'm not putting in all five of my plays with all the uncertainty of this season, but We'll have the Rams in pocket here for this one. You and I were talking before we started recording here that uh, I don't know how many great straight bets there are this week, but this is kind of a teaser lover's paradise across the board. Yeah, I mean, you got teaser, you got uh, favorites, you got dogs, a lot through the, that three and seven corridor, Green Bay, Tennessee. I know it's not ideal road favorites, but I, I think two teams that are in the playoff mix that'll probably take care of business. I'm not sure I want to lay more than a touchdown with either one, but I think both win giants, not, not a high variance team, just play hard. And they've been, whether they, you know, lost some close games early. Now they're winning them. Uh, I, I don't see Arizona getting margin on the giants. So giants in a teaser make a lot, makes a lot of sense. Just, uh, 
it's kind of where the market's moving. I mean, a lot more teaser action from me than, than ever before. Yeah. I mean, Kansas city, you know, I mean, they, they could put margin on anybody if they wanted to, they seem nope. to not really want to, but if I can get them minus one and a half, when I assume Mahomes has the ball last, I'm, I'm doing that. You know, I mean, we saw Miami last week, they moved the ball relatively effectively between the twenties against Cincinnati got to the red zone and bogged down. If you're going to get three instead of seven, when you're playing Pat Mahomes and the chiefs, you're probably not going to win that football game. So Kansas city minus one and a half makes sense to me. Um, you, know, you can always tease Pittsburgh up. If you believe in the Steelers on Sunday night football. Now at that one's two and a half Steelers up to eight and a half for the lower total game. That one makes some sense. Yeah. Starting to see one and a half pop on Baltimore Cleveland plus seven and a half. I think makes some sense too with a lower total in that one. It, it's a great week for teasers. I don't know necessarily about a lot of pre-flop action on side or total though. Couldn't agree more. Uh, one thing I want to mention to Miami, I know that they're an NFL best nine and two against the spread their last 11 and KC's failed to cover four in a row. Who has Miami played? Chargers, Broncos, Jets, Bengals the last four weeks. I know it's not a great spot for Kansas city off Sunday night football, the saints on deck, but I just, uh, I mean, it's that's being priced into this number. I don't think Miami's that good. They just haven't played anybody. I think it's, it's hard because I believe in Miami. If, if Miami had Ryan Fitzpatrick here, I'm playing plus seven and a half. Like but it, Tua it, hasn't thrown an interception all year. What's not like, to, it, it, not it, like about Tua. The, the, <laughs> the red zone play calling is a joke. The red zone yeah. it's bad. It, it's just really bad. And, and maybe that's not Tua's fault. I mean, yeah, okay. He's taking care of the football and, and that's very important, but they're not the least bit explosive offensively. It's, it's no. a very methodical thing. And at some point, good teams, well-coached teams are going to get you out of that. They're not going to keep giving up these third and threes, third and fours, like these other teams have to Miami. I Kansas city, again, if they want to, and the problem is knowing when they want to, if they want to, they can blow out anybody in this league. Absolutely. Yep. Anybody on any given day. Yep. I, they just, they don't do it. And I don't know if they do it, to dick around and, you know, force themselves into close games or whatever the case may be, but they just, they don't want to truck anybody and they can. And so no, I can't take them seven and a half here or even seven for that matter, if the game comes down to it, but minus one and a half. Absolutely. So not necessarily a a thing against Tua. And I know Fitzpatrick has a higher risk profile than Tua does. And maybe that hurts in a game like this. I don't know, but just, Tua's got to prove to me that when he gets into a scoring situation, they can come away with seven. Because if you keep putting it on this defense, which is very, very good, don't get me wrong, eventually they're going to falter. And we've, we're seeing that now with Pittsburgh, for example, where Pittsburgh's offense is very middle of the road. The defense is really good. And now you've put it on the defense time and time and time yep. again, and they're starting to lose guys to injury. And it's really hurting the profile of this team to the point where, I agree with Buffalo being minus two and a half. I think it could very well get to three and I, I wouldn't it have anything against that. It's just in the, in the current NFL, you cannot put it on your defense all the time. You just can't. And it's a worry that I have with a team like the giants where maybe this is the week where their defense does falter and the offense mm. can't keep pace. You just, you can't do it in today's NFL. It's just impossible. Good points. And it almost feels in Pittsburgh's well, look case, at Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Chicago's defense is starting to falter now. I'm not saying I'm going to take Houston this week, but 
you know, week in and week out, if you keep putting it on the defense, it doesn't work. It doesn't. It's obviously we've seen where it's been going the last five years, offensively driven team best. I mean, forever it was, you know, better defense, you know, best defense beats best offense. Not the case now. It just isn't the last four or five years. And seeing that in Pittsburgh's instance, we've seen them like, hold on, hold on, like, you know, squeezed in tight to that unbeaten record. And now that the dams finally broke, I, I think you can see Pittsburgh lose, you know, a couple games in a row. Well, and sticking with that theme, let's do a highlight video here from the NFL for game 175, 176, Washington and San Francisco. I'm host Adam Burke, joined by pro better and handicapper Brad Powers. And what we were just talking about, and we encourage you to listen to the full shows of ATS radio, is that when you keep putting it on your defense week after week after week, game after game after game, at some point it becomes a lot. And we're seeing that now with teams like Pittsburgh. We're seeing that, you know, with some of the other teams around the league here. I wonder if that factors into your handicap a little bit with this Washington and San Francisco game where credit to Washington, they've done what they've had to do yep. to be up tied at the top of the NFC East standings. But you wonder if that defense can have similar success here against a fellow good defense in San Francisco. Yeah. And it's also not an ideal spot. Third straight road game for Washington. And you know, that sometimes when, when you're leaning on that defense, if they don't have the legs, <laughs> it could be, uh, you know, troublesome here. And, you know, my couple of my main handicaps here, San Francisco has kind of been a Jekyll and Hyde team. Uh, I mean, one week they're, they're up, they look like clear playoff contenders. I don't care who's playing a quarterback. I don't care who's in their lineup. I mean, they look like a legit playoff team. And then, you know, last week, even though the entire world and the market was on San Francisco, they, they were obviously outclassed against Buffalo. Uh, this to me seems like a play on week and here's why I think it's a play on week. You're not going to hear this hardly anywhere else. Kyle Shanahan hates Washington. I I mean, he hates Washington. Why Washington fired his dad. Washington fired him. Kyle Uh, last year. If you remember San Francisco went into Washington and won. he gave the game ball at the end of it to his dad. It would have been worse, but it was played in a torrential downpour. They won nine, nothing. I, I think there's some, you know, bad vibes still to this day with, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan and the Washington organization. So uh, I just think Washington's been a cool story here the last few weeks. Uh, I just, I think San Francisco, this is their play on game here. So I, I like the 49ers quite a bit. Don't mind laying the 120. Uh, if you want to play the, the key number three here, uh, they're probably my favorite play of the week, the 49ers. I, I like the 49ers too. This is one that's on my short list in a game that you know you actually brought to my attention. I hadn't really done a ton of legwork on this game, but everything you said makes sense. And something else here for me too is that, as you mentioned, everybody on San Francisco last week, and yeah. this line is is relatively in the same spot uh, as where that line closed in last week's game. It, something doesn't make sense. And right. then you look compare the Washington Pittsburgh. Washington was catching five and a half, and now they're catching three against San Francisco. I mean, I just, I just one of the two doesn't match up if you compare these uh, two teams' lines to last week. Well, and the thing about it, too, is, you know, I actually liked Buffalo last week. I was against the money, against the movement in that game. In fact, you owe me dinner uh, for yep. that one. But one of the reasons why is I'm like, okay, you've got Josh Allen in a controlled environment there in Arizona. He's played extremely well when weather hasn't been a factor. So I expected Buffalo to have some offensive success in that game. And they did. The defense was getting healthier. They were able to make some plays on the defensive side, this and that. Washington's offense is not Buffalo's offense. It's really not even close. McLaurin is the big weapon. Outside of that, Washington, you know, kind of hope and pray to a certain degree. 
Why is it that last week, as San Francisco was getting healthier, everybody loved them? Now this week, nobody wants to touch them. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. If San Francisco wins and covers that game against Buffalo last week, even with Washington beating Pittsburgh, what's this number? Four and a half, five? five the headline was four and a half. You know, so if, if San Francisco plays up to last week's expectation put on them by the betting market, this number is quite a bit higher. Because they didn't, we get a discounted San Francisco team, and I'm on the same side as you. Love it. Love it. Glad we don't have a dinner bet on this one. <laughs> I, right? I got to tell you, after all that money came in on San Francisco, I was feeling pretty good. I bet. I was like, man, I got one here on them. Nope. No. Actually, I, I didn't feel that way. Honestly, it, got, it was so one-sided San Francisco money. I actually, I mean, I ended up on, on game day bet in Buffalo. Are you kidding me? I mean, that was almost overwhelming. I couldn't believe it. Well, and that's one. it was the same thing for me with Washington last week. You know, I'm already locked in for the contest for the Circus Sports Million. That's my 5-0 and game with Washington, and all this money comes in on Washington. And I'm just shaking my head. I'm texting everybody going, I'm going to lose this game. There's no way Washington <laughs> covers with everybody on this side. They, of course, wind up winning the game outright. So, you know, that was fortunate. But, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a major mispricing here. And it, it's a very, you know, what have you done for me lately kind of price. And I disagree with it. I think San Francisco, definitely the side here. So a consensus opinion from us on ATS Radio with the Washington and San Francisco game. Make sure you subscribe to the full editions of ATS Radio and also subscribe to our ATS YouTube channel. All right, before I let you go here, a couple other games I want to ask you about. Uh, Actually, I guess I'll just ask you about one more since I know your thoughts on Indian Las Vegas since we talked before the show. Uh, You know what? The listeners deserve it too. Indian (laughs) Las Vegas, what do you think about that one? Uh, I want to take the Raiders plus three, another Jekyll and Hyde team, and off a couple of bad performances, even though they won against the Jets last week, is still a bad performance. You know, this seems like a play on spot for them. I mean, we've seen them play really well at home against the Chiefs and the Saints already this uh, season. But what I prefer over uh, the Colts playmakers look relatively healthy at running back and wide receiver. Uh, it's on a six and two run in indie games and should be seven and one. If you followed the Indianapolis Houston total last week, I mean, unbelievable that 24, 20 at halftime, it doesn't go over the total uh, Raiders games, eight, three and one to the over. Don't have to worry about weather. It's a really good field that they play on here in Vegas over 51 and a half for me and a slight lean on the Raiders. Yeah, and I mean, I get it. The Raiders are, you know, pretty, uh, a pretty, a very efficient offensive team, but also that playing surface does seem to lend itself to points. On the opposite yep. side, SoFi Stadium, where the Rams and Chargers play, they say it's a very slow track. So we've seen a lot of their totals in their games either get bet down or open pretty low, you know, much like the Atlanta and Chargers total here this week. I like the Raiders here. I think this is a handicap kind of akin to what we saw with Tennessee and Cleveland last week in that. Tennessee played a bunch of tough games in a row, division opponents, this and that. And the Browns just took it to them in the first half. And I'm not saying that the Raiders are going to do the same thing here. I hope that they do because the Raiders will be one of my picks here for this week. But for Indianapolis, their last few games, the Houston game last week, they probably should have lost, got that fumble inside the five. That preserved the win in the cover for them. Tennessee the week before, a pissed off Tennessee team that they blew out two weeks prior. The Green Bay game was a close game, a big comeback for Indianapolis in that one. The Baltimore loss back on November 8th. They've played five tough games in a row. 
Now they've got the long travel to Vegas, back-to-back road games, Houston on deck again, a game they figure they can win because they've got that one at home against the, the bottom one of the bottom feeders in the division. I think this is a bad spot for Indy. This, this is a play-on spot for Vegas, who, look, they didn't play well against the Jets. They got run off the field by Atlanta. I was on Atlanta in that one, so I was happy to see that one. But their playoff hopes got a second win with that walk-off win. They've got to be feeling pretty good about themselves in the sense that they're still alive. They've played bad football on that two-game road trip, and they're still alive. I think it's a good play on spot for Vegas here. Can't disagree with what uh, you said there. Are we going to get a bet this week? We've agreed with each other on almost everything. I don't know. Do you like Baltimore on Monday? No, I don't. All right. Well, then we're not going to get a bet out of that one. But uh, Baltimore minus one, minus one and a half. Total going up a little bit here to 47 for this one. And uh, look, I mean, as a Browns fan, you know, and and I was too young for their playoff games in, in the late 80s and all of that. I mean, this is the best I've had it in my lifetime. And I'm trying not to take it for granted. And I want to bet I'm so bad here on Monday night. It's one of those games where you kind of wait for the carpet to be pulled out from under you. But I mean, they're, they're an underdog at home against a Baltimore team that just has had something wrong week in and week out. I, is this just an obvious handicap to take Cleveland? Ooh, I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> I, ball, I can't get week one out of my head too much. Uh, 38, six Baltimore. Uh, I, I guess I got too much Cleveland last 30 years in, in my mind. Cause I mean, this is probably one of their biggest considering it's Monday night football, you know, and to me, this is a, just a huge disappointment that we don't get a full stadium. I mean, you would have a great environment in Cleveland on Monday night football. If that was a full sold out crowd, uh, I think one's fair. I mean, keep in mind, look at Lima's Baltimore by three. Both teams overachieved. So I don't think you're getting a, a huge discount here on the Browns. You know, it's funny. I um, And I, I wish I could remember who said it so I'd give them credit for it. But they tweeted after the first half of the Browns game. They're like, give Cleveland the vaccine first because we're going to the Muni lot next week for, for tailgating <laughs> for the Browns game. And I mean, it would be it would be an epic day. You know, in the Muni yeah. lot, in the pit, in all the lots around Cleveland Browns, their first energy stadium, whatever the hell it's called now. Um, yeah, it's a shame that, you know, it, it has to be watered down like this. And in fact, too, Ohio with a 10 p.m. curfew. So you can't even go to the bar and watch the game because you have. Oh, to I didn't know that. Pretty much around me? halftime. So, so the virus knows when it's 945 and not 1015. I guess so. I'm so not gonna, it, I know that's political. I'm sorry. So, but, but it's, it's such a bummer. And of course now, you know, I went saying, well, small group spikes, you know, people are going to get together to watch the game at yeah. someone's house, you know, no mass, whatever. But the thing of it is, I mean, look, the one thing I could say in Cleveland's defense is in that first game, they didn't have a preseason with Kevin Stefanski. Baker on, you know, his third head coach in the NFL in what, four seasons or whatever. Good point. Great point. And, and Harbaugh's teams are always ready for the season, whether it's blowing yep. people out in the preseason or an ass kicking in week one. This is These two teams are in very different spots right now. And I think what concerns me is that the Browns don't open a favorite. And I know that last week their line against Tennessee was kind of influenced by their weak strength of schedule. And then money came in on game day and that, you know, or, or just in advance of the game, that kind of scared me a little bit. Maybe the same thing happens here. Maybe the Browns take game day money. I, I just, I, I look at this team and I look at how efficient the offense has been since OBJ got hurt. 
the fact that Baker you know, is taking great care of the football. They're running the offense the way it's designed. They're healthier now, and they do need to get Wyatt Teller off the COVID list. That will be very important for this game. The thing that scares me is, you know, their defense. But Lamar Jackson's passing has regressed so much this year that yep. the secondary losses for the Browns may not be that big of a deal. So I don't know, man. They're well coached. They believe in Stefanski. They love Stefanski, especially after what they've gone through. It's not a homer pick. I, I got to take Cleveland. I don't know if they're one of my five for the Circa, but I just with the momentum. Sounds they, like it with it, your presentation. I'd be very disappointed if you didn't take Cleveland out at this point. See, here's the thing. The, the Browns would make the playoffs and win a playoff game, and they'd lose this week and take me out of the money in the Circa, and it would just have to be that Cleveland experience in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I feel you on that. I'm, I'm jaded. I'm cynical. Uh, I'm, I'm largely dead inside for the most part, but uh, it's just – it's happy. It, I'm just happy to see meaningful football in December that's not from Ohio State. I guess that's the best way I can put it. Well said. Yeah, I'm trying to think. You said in your lifetime at the start of it that it's been as good as the Browns been. Yeah, I it's almost I yeah, I'm too young also to remember. I remember some of the Bernie Kozar. Uh it's, you know, a very distant memory. I did tweet this out earlier this year. I remember the Browns beating the Cowboys at their apex, the Cowboys with Jimmy Johnson and they won in Dallas that was the the Cleveland team that went to the playoffs in 94 that was probably my apex as a Browns fan I mean the peak of my childhood with the Browns was winning the Super Bowl with QB Browns and Tecmo Super Bowl like that's just (laughs) that's kind of all that's kind of all I had you know um it's just it's good to see it I mean I'm sure I'm sure listeners can hear it in my voice too that you know it's just it's just good to have a football team that looks like they know what the hell they're doing on Sundays like I, I tell people all the time my wife and I, we used to go grocery shopping on Sunday afternoons or, or go run errands or just yep. anything not to sit down and watch the Browns and just be pissed off about it. And now I got to watch them. And it's going to be easy here on Monday Night Football with the Browns, three of their next four games in primetime, which, again, something I never thought I'd really see in my lifetime here. But uh, a lot of good thoughts, a lot of good insights, lots of fun here on today's show with Brad Powers, professional better and handicapper from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, what's happening over at the website right now, man? Talk about it each week. It's my newsletter. Every single college game, every single NFL game, uh, you can get it. Uh, my power rings, computer projected lines, trends, bad beats, you name it. Uh, 49 bucks for the rest of the season. It's available. It's called my Powers Picks newsletter, and it's available at bradpowersports.com. Great resource. I use it myself. Definitely something that I enjoy looking at, and I hope all of our listeners enjoy it as well brad always a pleasure my friend thank you so much for joining me and we'll talk to you again next week all right sounds good take care my friend there you go there's professional better and handicapper brad powers from bradpowersports.com at brad powers and the number seven on twitter coming up on friday you know most of my circuit card already since i've talked about it here throughout the week on the show but my picks rationale evidence leans everything like that for week 14 in the Circus Sports Million, 38-26-1. and one. Uh, Hopefully, you can keep that going here for Week 14. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.